Hey everybody, Joseph here, one of the pastors at the First Presbyterian Church of Flint, and I wanted to welcome you to our sermon podcast, a show that features the latest sermons preached here at First Pres. But first, a little bit about us. The First Presbyterian Church of Flint is an historic downtown congregation, proudly part of the Presbyterian Church USA, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. We have a vibrant and thriving ministry to our neighbors here in Flint and are engaged weekly in worship, faith formation, a dynamic ministry to kids and teenagers, and community building across generations. You can learn more at fpcf.org. You can check out our weekly live stream broadcasts on our channel on YouTube. But better yet, you can stop by any Sunday at 930 to worship with us. We'd love to welcome you and your family to worship. Now, here's this week's sermon. Ours is a seeking God who finds and rejoices. It was nothing unusual for there to be grumbling about the people Jesus decided to pull up a chair to sit at table with, to to eat beside. The people Jesus seemed to always be mingling with. Almost immediately, Luke writes, from the very outset of his ministry, right after his baptism in the Jordan by John the baptizer, after his 40-day temptation rumble with the devil out there in the wilderness, after his infamous first speech preached in the synagogue of Nazareth, which led the good people of his hometown to drive him out of town in order to hurl him off a cliff, After the power that filled Jesus began to be manifest in authoritative words and miraculous healings, word about him got out from the backwoods and spread so far and wide that the religious leaders all the way from HQ in Jerusalem began showing up just to check him out. Almost immediately. From the outset of his public ministry, the the grumbling buzzed out of the corners of pious mouths and the mud started slinging from those who held sway in the halls of power, accusing the words and actions of Jesus to be nothing more than those of a charlatan. And so begins our gospel passage this morning. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, whether Jesus overheard their murmurings or, as he had done many times before in the gospel, perceived their hearts, Luke doesn't tell us. The grumbling was nothing new to Jesus, and the the point Luke really makes about it all is the response Jesus gives, a parable, actually a trilogy of parables, two of which we just heard, that set the course for the next few chapters to focus on the good news of God's love and mercy for the outcast, for persons despised and condemned by others. 
These parables in chapter 15 are, are one bookend of this new section with the story of Zacchaeus, you know, that wee little man in chapter 19 being the other bookend. And all of it is bound together in Luke's good news gospel story of God's love and mercy for all sinful human beings. A thing lost, a lost thing found, and in the finding cause for rejoicing. That is the structure of these parables. A one in a hundred sheep lost, that sheep found, and in finding, the shepherd is filled with great joy and he invites friends and neighbors to rejoice with him. That which was lost, he has found. A one in ten coin lost, that coin found, and in finding, the woman of the house is filled with great joy and she invites friends and neighbors to rejoice with her. That which was lost, she has found. This is the way Jesus describes the, the determination and the, the sheer delight God has in, in seeking out and finding that which was lost. People who were lost but are now found because God so loves them. Into his joy, God invites all heaven and earth to rejoice with him. So what events in your life had filled you with such great joy that, that you had to call together friends and neighbors to, to rejoice with you? Ron and Ruth Frakes just celebrated 67 years of marriage. Yay! <laughs> and they threw a party that was filled with delicious foods and bottles of wine with lots of pictures, each one with a story to tell, filled with great conversation and joyful laughter with friends that marked the event of that wedding day on all those years ago and the joy that has filled their years together ever since. What events in your life have filled you with such great joy that, that gets you bursting from the inside out so that you throw a party for others to, to share in the joy with you? A wedding, maybe? Your wedding? Size didn't matter as the invites went out to your closest friends and family. The food, maybe luxurious or maybe quite simple, say cake and coffee after the ceremony. Maybe there was no mother-son or father-daughter dance, not even a couple's first dance, or maybe there was. I'm looking at Linda and Steve back there remembering their first dance on that joyous night. Maybe the photographer was renowned and costly, or maybe simply a friend who offered his skills as his gift in the celebration. Maybe the bridal gown was Vera Wang. Or maybe a dress off the rack altered by an aunt, an expert seamstress, 
who transformed that simple dress into a gown worthy of a bride's magazine cover. Maybe diamonds sparkled as rings were exchanged, or, or maybe you had to borrow rings from friends who offered theirs to you for that day. And maybe all of what some thought was over the top and what others thought to be missing from the whole event didn't really matter. Because what really did was the joy. The joy that filled you both and your friends and neighbors who came to rejoice with you. The the love that had been found. Look at this one I have found. This one I so love. I can't even imagine life without. Or maybe it was the birth of your one and only child, or that one, and and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth, and then I'm looking at you, Katie and Joseph. It doesn't matter. The point was not whether it was with a doula at home or a medical team in the hospital, whether delivery happened with medication or without, whether it was bed birth or water birth, induced or natural labor. What matters is the gift of that child, those children, carried all those months and now born to be the apple of their mama or papa's eye. And the pictures and announcements are sent out. The invitations to come and see are extended to family and friends so they too can rejoice with you the the birth of this child. And I'm thinking of you, Onyenye, and I cannot. Champagne corks pop. Pink or blue cigars light up the night. And the world shines brighter as you cradle that one who brings out smiles that could not beam any more brightly or any more broadly, as you coo with delight together. And life can't be imagined without this one who was not, but now is. Or maybe an accomplishment performed in work, say, salesman of the year or teacher of the year, which earned you an all-expense-paid trip, company trip, to Tahiti. Or a school hall or building that bears your name across the top of it. Co-workers and the community come together to celebrate with you. Or maybe it's something academic, graduating summa cum laude, with a scholarship to the school you've always dreamed of attending, NYU, maybe Stanford, maybe Northwestern, maybe U of M Flint, or maybe it was you who posted down low, took the pass, and put up the buzzer-beaten shot that won the annual varsity versus coaches faculty basketball game. The crowd lets out a roar, and teammates hoist you up on their shoulders and parade you around the court. You are the hero. Or maybe it's Well, you fill in the blank. We all have our own stories to tell. We all have the stories of joy in our lives, events that have filled us with such great joy that we we just couldn't wait but have to call together friends and neighbors to 
rejoice together with us. From the beginning of the Bible, ours is a God who seeks until he finds. Where are you? He calls out as he walks through the garden, looking for the humans he has made to share in his delight over the good creation. And from the beginning, this is our story. To be in hiding, lost. But thankfully, this has also always been God's story. To seek us out until he finds us. And in finding, to be filled with such great joy that all heaven and all earth are invited to rejoice with him for that which was lost is now found. Be easy to ignore that Exodus passage today. Temptation was there, trust me. But really one of the things I love about the pairing of today's lectionary readings is the way it partners God's great joy over what is found with with God's great frustration over what is lost. Exodus reveals God's pain over having sought out a people lost in the land of slavery and finding them and carrying them out essentially on his shoulders right through the deep waters to, to a new beginning only to find that They had lost interest in rejoicing with him over there, having been found by him. My wrath burns hot against this stiff-necked people, God says to Moses. I will destroy them all and begin over yet again. And this, too, is our story, forgetting that we are the very people who were not, and now are, who had been lost, but are now found by God's gracious action. And this continues to be our story as we lose interest in his invitation to to rejoice together in him having found us. We, We choose rather to do our own thing by making up our own story of how we did it on our own, by our own hands. And this false story gives us a sense of of being in the driver's seat and having a leg up on all the poor saps who haven't yet experienced that joy of being found and still wallow about in bondage. If only they had the determination, the fortitude, the resolve like I did. The refineness, the goodness, the morality like we do, then they too could make it. And these false stories are deadly as they become barriers behind which we hide not only from God, but from one another. Deadly as we rejoice not with God, but in our own abilities having done it ourselves. And we call upon God as our lackey whenever a situation becomes dire. These false stories are deadly 
because we hide, hide behind them as barriers that segregate us into camps and keep us from rejoicing together over what God has done for us. We look askance at one another with a false pride of our own that breeds only contempt for whatever is not like us, whoever is not in our camp. Jew, Greek, the Bible puts it, slave-free, male, female, self-sufficient, relying on others, us, them. There's a million such camps, you know. And today's gospel presents two of them to us, tax collectors and sinners, and pious Pharisees and scribes. And I think we have a wee appreciation for God's wrath that's written about, told about in Exodus. We know pain that wounds deeply. Marriage sours. The child grows into the teen who sets the household on edge and sends your blood pressure soaring off the charts as you sit in the dark night after sleepless night, wondering if she, if he, will come home safe. The crowds no longer sing your praise, but have chased after another hero. We know pain. Our response is often to lash out, unfiltered, to defend ourselves, our pride, our ego, to lash out unfiltered in hurtful ways as we try to ease that pain and uphold our name. Confronted with his own integrity, remembering Abraham and Isaac and Israel with whom he had covenanted, God, unlike us, relents. The Lord turned from his evil, which he had thought to do to his people. God's wrath is one thing, but God's word of promise to do good to Israel and through Israel to all nations, to all tribes, to all people, well, that covenant sworn by God's own self, God will never relent on, but will see it through to the end. No matter the pain, no matter the humiliating blood, sweat, and tears it will cost, God's word is his bond. God will not go back on that promise. We know pain, but God's patient word to us is fear not. You are mine. I have found you. You are not alone. Speaking to his people exile in Babylon who feel forsaken and destitute, the prophet Isaiah reasserts God's promise, I think, in one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Or show no compassion for the child of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. 
says the Lord. Look, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hand. Friends, God does not forget. God will not abandon you. Though the night is dark and filled with tears and grief and fear, morning will come. And with it, the joy of having been found. What our two gospel parables tell us this morning is that the morning has dawned. Our seeking God has found us, sinner and pious alike, Jew and Gentile, male and female, haves and have-nots, you who think yourself self-sufficient and you who must rely on the generosity of others for your bread. Through God's faithful word, Jesus, God has kept the promise to Israel and through Israel to all peoples. God's covenant, he will never break. But only because we are God's bride, God's children, the apple of God's eye, God's beloved. All of us. And we will sing in a moment that we are no longer stranger or guest, but rather like children finally at home. Friends, God's love is all-encompassing. There are no barriers we can erect to keep ones we don't like out and those we like in. This saying is sure and worthy and full of acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That includes those we fear, those we don't like, those who are not like us, no matter the tribe, the pedigree, or societal status. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That includes you and me as well. And having found us in Christ Jesus, having taken up a seat at table with us, God extends the invitation to all heaven and all on earth to rejoice together as God's people, God's new creation, to rejoice with God together who is beaming from ear to ear for love of us. For what had been lost, God has now found. Thanks be to God.